Welcome, everyone, to episode 344 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Happy Easter weekend, everyone. I bet your bellies are full, but your ears are still starving for some pinball podcasting. And we're back again quickly in the saddle to talk about pinball. I'm going to talk about my impressions of the Black Knight Sword of Rage. I played it this weekend. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. Uh, there's some deep root news that's kind of interesting. I'm not really sure what to make of it, but we'll talk about that. Uh, and then what else? I'll read your emails about what I should do with my Batman 66 Super Limited Edition game. Now, let's talk about Black Knight first. So, I went to Sunshine Laundromat. I went with a listener of the show. His name is Jordan. Awesome dude. A lot of fun. High energy. Awesome guy. Pinball fanatic. Uh, and we took a, an SUV all the way to Williamsburg or whatever, Cobble Hill, whatever it's called in Brooklyn there on Manhattan Avenue. And we went into Sunshine and we played a lot of pinball. Now, the game that we played the most of uh, was the Black Knight Sword of Rage. And I want to give you my impressions of this game. And I don't, I can't give you like a full review of the Black Knight simply because I only played the pro version and I must have played the game maybe 10 times uh, when we were there. So take that uh, with a little bit of a grain of salt about what I'm about to say. Now, here's what I'm about to say. It's not negative. I actually think this game is a lot of fun. And I think it's a really perfect pinball machine uh, for location play. And and here's why. Because it's fast. It's fun. It's it's very colorful with the lights. And the sound is awesome. And the callouts are awesome. Uh, but what I love about it, too, is just the, how simple it is to understand what to do in the game. It's like, here is a knight in the middle of the play field with his flail and his shield. And here are a lot of arrow inserts and lightning bolt inserts that flash up. And you know where to shoot. There is no mystery in this game about what to do in the game. Within the first 30 seconds, um, you are pretty much off and running. Now, the game is, look, you guys know a lot about this game. Here's what I want to say. I think the shots are a lot of fun. I think the flow and the speed is completely awesome in the game. So there's that. It has that going for it. I love the sort of like the far left shot. It feels like it's going to be an orbit and nope, it, there's a vertical up kick. The ball goes into like a little hole. Uh, I love the knight. I think he's awesome. The sculpt looks really cool. I'll say this though. We were standing over it and we were kind of laughing saying, you know, look, we, we give these companies so much props for these toys. If there's any toy whatsoever, we all get giddy. It is a little bit bit like I bet they found that sculpt somewhere made it. it 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 looks like it would be a five dollar toy in Chinatown and yet as pinball fans who are starving for anything to be sculpted in a play you know on a play field we're sort of like oh my god it's amazing look there could be a little bit more uh, interaction with the toy I think I would love to bash it more I don't like that there's a target in front of it uh, but it is really cool the way his eyes and face light up okay now the flail shot up that ramp is really enjoyable the flail itself just interesting you know i don't really i'm not blown away by it it seems more of like it's also acts as like a shield versus something that's really you're battling you know i did want to see the ball more hit the flail and come flying back down it doesn't really do that it's sort of like it's the ball the ball sort of like hits the flail and squeezes like halfway up the ramp if it's deflected and comes back down so there's that but it doesn't really have this like dramatic action to it now maybe it spins faster later in the game when you get deeper into the game the other thing, uh, you know, getting multi-balls going, not the hardest, but also not the easiest. Like, you might not get a multi-ball going each game. Uh, there's the scoop to the sort of little, little like mini sort of roundabout shot into the, the ball lock uh, to the right of the, of the, of the night. 
Uh, if you get it in there three times, it starts the multi-ball, uh, which was fun. Uh, here's what I love about the game. I, 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 you know, again, like this is like probably the worst review ever or impression of a game ever, but here's what I love about it. I love the speed. I love the lights. I love how fast it is. I love that you can play with people on location and you're not going to sit there waiting for 15 minutes while they finish a ball. That's what I love about the game. Um, but here's, here's, here's my takeaway though. Here's my overall takeaway. I love this game and I look at this game and I'm like, this game should be like four to five thousand dollars, and that's it. I, 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 here's what I don't like about modern Sterns, is there's just no way for me to justify that every single game they have has the same exact price. Okay, why is a Black Knight? The same price as a Star Wars, the same price as a Deadpool, the same price as an Iron Maiden. It's like regardless of what you get, you always get the same bill. It'd be like going into a restaurant and no matter what you order, it's always the same price. But if I have lobster in front of me, I don't mind spending 50 bucks. But if I have a hamburger, then I have a problem with spending 50 bucks. And that's my main issue with modern new inbox stern machines is no matter what you get, you are charged the same. Now, when I look over Black Knight Pro, it feels very basic. It, it feels like a very basic pin. It's very open. You can see everything. There's no mystery to the game. Um, what you see is what you get. Now, that's cool. And I'm cool with, you know, modern pinball machines costing, you know, around $5,000. I think that's, that's a pill that most of us are willing to swallow. But if you start to get into the $7,500, $9,000 for an LE of this game, I think you're starting to get into la-la land and you're in dreamland. And that is just ridiculous that anyone would ever spend 9K. There's no way the upper play field. Uh, I didn't miss it, by the way. Like, I didn't play this game and say, I really wish it had an upper play field. Uh, I do wish there was like one more toy or like a big dragon or something else in the game. I, I don't think the upper play field's really a toy, right? I think it's just more of like another level of play. It has the ball lock up there. Uh, but I do think, you know, for, for a medieval-themed game, I, I do think the game is completely barren of like something else that brings the medieval uh, world to life. I will say this. I, I know I'm jumping around. The fire effect in the back of the game was really cool. I thought they did a great job with that. But again, I, for me personally... I, I just think I'm a buyer for these kinds of games between four and $5,000, and I just don't think they're worth more money than that. And call me crazy, but I think this one size, one price fits every single game is not really going to work out in the long run. It's not. It's not. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen is games like this, if they make, what, 600 LEs, who thought that was a good idea? They're not going to sell 600 hundred of these in LE format. Those games are going to sit and they're going to sit for months and they're going to sit for years at distributors if distributors are trying to get $9,000 for them. And just like cars, I'm going to use a car argument. If a game comes out and it's not selling like LEs after LE, here's what's going to happen. These distributors are going to have to start discounting these new in-box games uh, if they want to move them off the, the, you know, off the shelf. It's the same way a car dealership, every like 4th of July, things go on sale. Every Memorial Day, every Labor Day, the old models always go on sale and you can get huge discounts. With so much pinball out there now, I think we're gonna get to a point where you're gonna start to see these companies discounting these games uh, to get them out because once Jurassic World is out and once this game and Willy Wonka, how are these games uh, gonna continue to find buyers, all right? Now here's the other thing I wanna talk about Black Knight, then I'm gonna move on. 
the animations in it. The animations are neat, but here's why I like the game so much and it was so much fun because you don't need to look up. You don't need to look up very often. So much of what's going on in the game is just the fast, frenetic gameplay. And when that's happening in the game, you're glued to the action below the glass. And again, I think this is like part of how I feel lately about pinball is there's such an overemphasis on the screen to the point where so much of what we're analyzing a game on is happening uh, on the LCD and not on the game itself. And honestly, I didn't even need an LCD in this game. I, I re- all, all I needed was the score because everything that I need to know is happening down on the play field. Uh, you could actually have most of it just happen with callouts. Like, now you will battle my, like, Hydra. Now you will battle this. You know, so the animations are fine. But again, like, I wasn't blown away by them. Again, I think there's way too much emphasis on the screen, but they look, they're all right. They're all right. Nothing, nothing. Uh, what, what do they say? State of the art. There was nothing state of the art about them, um, but they, they, you know, they worked. They did the job, but I, I did not walk away being like, that is one of the reasons why I would own this game. I think you'd own this game for for the speed, for the sound, for the lights, and and for the, the fast paced action. And if you need a game in your lineup that has that, I would definitely pick this up over Game of Thrones. All right. All right, so what? speaking of animations, let's talk about Deep Root for a second because Deep Root showed up at, I believe, was the U- Salt Lake City or the Utah's Comic-Con. And they had a, what they did what they do best. They had another panel discussion talking about all the amazing stuff they're doing. And here's what they also do best. They show you absolutely nothing about the amazing stuff they're doing. And they like it this way. They know what they're doing. Robert is not an idiot. He knows that this is the best way to market the mystique is you just go quiet. It, it is such it is it is really marketing brilliance if you say nothing but tell people you're working on the best pinball experience ever. That that is the greatest way to generate hype and excitement. You know, they showed too much of Wonka too early and I, and I'll be the first to say it. Like we all know that Willy Wonka, 60 days from now, are people going to have it in their homes? I highly doubt it. But now you've seen the game. Uh, and I, I just think that period of not knowing actually leads people to being the most interested in the game. Now, so Deep Root is there, and they have, they said something like they've got 40 animators or something working on these Deep Root titles. And part of me is like, what, why are so many animators working on a pinball machine? Like, is this a pinball machine or is this an animated movie? Like, what is happening over there? How are they affording all these people? And when are we actually going to see something? Now here, I wanna break for you what I hear is a pretty confirmed rumor about what you're gonna see in a Deep Root pinball machine, because I know there's a lot of speculation. But here is what I'm hearing the game will be. The screen in a Deep Root pinball machine will be underneath the glass. So what you are going to see in Deep Root games uh, will look a lot probably like Magic Girl, where you will not have to look up to absorb what's on the screen. It, it's, it's, it's very, it was very coolly implemented into Magic Girl, and that's what John wanted with Raza. So I think we're gonna see John's design decision to have uh, the screen under the glass be part of Deep Root. Uh, so when that happens, I think that changes how they're going to approach animations and pinball and screen interactivity. So that's the other part too that we've never seen in pinball. If you want to think about pinball innovation, imagine this for a second. Imagine a screen at the back of the game. All right, imagine a screen that even takes up almost all of the back box of the game or the back area, right? So think about Black Knight where that where the fiery gate is in Black Knight. So picture that. Now imagine if that whole area is a screen 
Now imagine if that's animated, right? Imagine how cool it would be to look back there and see more of an animated, like completely like rendered image of a castle. So now imagine a game like The Black Knight, if that whole area is a screen and the whole thing is about journeying through the Black Knight's kingdom to get to the hill, right, where his castle is to battle the, the skeleton army. So much of that story and so much of traveling through the world of the Black Knight, that could be put onto the screen and you never have to take your eyes off the game to feel like you're going through that world. And I think if they do something interesting like that, that could be a total game changer and change the way people play pinball machines and experience pinball. And see, I think that's what we're all wondering is how is Deep Root going to sort of take pinball to the next level? And, and I think that could be a really, really amazing thing. And we're going to see it soon, hopefully. You know, they have 40 animators who have to go in every day and be working on something. And we know that June 30th is the date by which the Raza owners are supposed to get their game. So that is coming up very, very quickly, right? So a little over, what, two months from now, we should see Deep Root enter into the ring. So look, this company com completely, uh, you know, it's, they're completely in the shadows. Wow, did you hear that? This is what living in New York City is like. That just sounded like someone put a bullhorn in my ear, uh, and that's outside the apartment. Anyway, so let's see what happens June 30th, but that is what I think Deep Root is going to do. I think they're going to bring that into pinball. I think they are definitely going to bring internet connectivity to pinball. Let me talk about that for a couple minutes. Now, for those of you out there who don't think that networked pinball machines is the future uh, and wouldn't add fun to the pinball owning experience, I think you guys don't understand how awesome it would be to have networked games. I heard someone say once, well, there won't be enough machines for people, BS, in terms of like connecting machines. You don't think that people on pin side would actually spend more time, hey buddy, are you up? You wanna play some pinball? Let's turn on The Walking Dead and play a game together. Or let's turn on Pirates of the Caribbean or let's turn on Willy Wonka and let's sync up and have a little match. I don't understand why people don't understand that. The people who will do this, right? They will have a ton of fun playing against their friends all over the world, uh, you know, and they don't care about one thing. Here's what they're not going to be like, oh, but every game has to be set up the same, Canada, because no, these aren't like anal retentive tournament players we're talking about. This is just your casual pinball guy with his casual pinball buddy who want to have a casual game of pinball together and play at the same time. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I also think what's going to be incredible is when games are networked, the ability to create modes which are all about network play are gonna be awesome. I mean, how, how, how much fun would it be if I'm playing Batman against someone else? And again, like I'm trying to hit all the lit, the lit shots and my, my friend over in Australia is also playing at the same time and his goal, imagine he could be controlling the crane in this mode and I have to hit the crane and he can move the crane from spot to spot to spot using his flippers and as I'm going, I'm trying to hit it and he can move it randomly, left or right. How much fun would that be, right? So I think you guys are not understanding the possibilities of how you could change the gameplay if you're networked with somebody else. And, and, and we're going to see it. And I think a company like Deep Root is going to do it. And they might do it first. Now, the other company that's going to do this as well 
And they've said this, and I'm surprised more people are not talking about this. The other company that is investing in networking the games is Stern Pinball. Now, Stern is not stupid. Stern needs to constantly be evolving their offering to remain at the top of pinball. How bad would it look if the leading company in pinball uh, continues to operate without networked play? I mean, think about it. It's 2019 and there's still no network connection of pinball machines. You still have to put a USB stick into a game to update the code. That is really embarrassing. You know, the LCD screen is that's like 20 year old, you know, they could have done that technology 20 years ago. We're at the point now where LCD is around 20 years ago. I think so. Um, but we're at the point now where networked pinball, mark my words, networked pinball will be the game changer that changes the entire pinball experience. Okay, you know how awesome it's going to be when I'm playing my friend in Australia and the camera is on the game and I can see him playing, he can see me playing. We could talk to each other. The freaking pinball machine could also be used almost like a conference call, video conference call, where we could see each other, we could talk to each other through the game itself. For this much money, these games should deliver that level of connectivity with the community. And I think what's going to happen, the reason why I'm really excited is I think a lot of us are just pining to have more co connectivity with our pinball friends. And that's why so many people go on Pinside and waste so much time on Pinside. Uh, and I think when games get connected, you're going to see people play pinball more and talk about playing pinball less. And, and, and that's because it's like online gaming. It's like people do it. You know, like look at Twitch. There's a reason why Twitch has billion viewers. People love to play games and they love to watch people play games and they love to be connected while they're playing games. And when that happens to pinball, I'm telling you, the game is going to change. And if you want to talk about bringing new people into pinball, internet connectivity will be the primary thing that connects the next generation of pinball players to the point where I mark my words, five years from now, People are like, wait a minute, why are you playing that old game that's not connected? Let's get on the new games that are connected. And when people remake games like Medieval Madness and Cactus Canyon, you best believe that I think all these games are going to get remade again and they're going to get remade in a way that networks them and connects them. And people are going to make upgrades that make all those games connected because you're going to see it's going to completely change the game. And if you think I'm wrong, Pinball at gmail.com. All right, what else is going on? So here's the deal. I've been told that Brian Eddy is not working on Jurassic World, that that is not a Brian Eddy title. And someone who is very close to the whole process of making that game said, you might not want us keep saying that because you are going to look stupid when it doesn't happen. And I said to them, well, I always look stupid and I always get these kinds of things wrong lately. What is going on? I have the worst sources. I'm convinced that Stern tells people things. Oh my God, you hear this? We're just going to keep going. I'm convinced that Stern leaks these rumors to see who are the moles in the organization. So here's the question. If Brian Eddy is not doing Jurassic World, then who is doing Jurassic World? Now, I was going down a list of, well, it's not going to be Borg. It's probably not going to be Gomez. My second best guess, because I thought it was Brian Eddy, is that this game will be made by Keith Elwin. Now, doesn't it make sense? Aren't we up for Keith Elwin's next title? 
So I don't know. Like, is he going to do one game a year? We look. We've got. We have games from Steve Ritchie. We have games from Gomez. We have games from Borg. Who's Who's next? Right? Is Brian Eddy and Keith Elwin are next in line for titles? Now, it, it, here's what I'm just. I, someone's lying. Someone's not telling the truth. Uh, maybe Jurassic World isn't next. So then it like begs the question. Then what is it? Like, if it's not Jurassic World, is it Bill and Ted's? Is it Jaws? Is it Superman 78? I mean, my 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 bet is that Jurassic World is coming. Um, Superman 78, I also hear, is coming. So that those are the two titles. Jurassic World, Superman 78, and then Elvira in the fall are what I, I hear is, is coming from Stern. Now, I don't know for sure. I'll, I'll say this. They do a really good job of keeping me confused. They do a really good job of keeping things quiet on these subjects. And here's why. Uh, because, uh, you know, we know where the leaks normally came from. They usually came from people outside of Stern who are working on the games. And those leaks no longer happen. Uh, you know, so that's that's where we're at, you know. All right. So will that be the case? We shall see. So Batman 66, uh, let me read your emails. I got a few of them from you guys because I said, should I or should I not sell Batman 66? So I got an email from Jeff S. Uh, and it said, 343, reveal rethinking. Chris, a solid episode that raises some issues. Should you sell Batman 66 for 18000 Yes. When you are thinking about selling a game, that is your body telling you to do it over the objections from the mind. Unless you have space, sell the game, pick up Wonka CE. Regarding your personal space, an ideal number of games to own. You'd like five or six, but living in New York, you pay an arm and a leg for a parking spot, but you rent space for your car along with 10 of wait, 10,000 other people, right? Why not rent space for your pinball and buy some more games? Wow, mind blown. You could have a personal arcade. You need 150 feet somewhere, um, sublease from a neighbor. What games would you get? I'd say you'd have a Wonka and Batman 66 plus two others and leave two open spots. Give us an episode about it. What games would you get? Okay, so here's the thing, Jeff. I'm not going to do the whole episode about that right now, but you don't understand how space in New York City works. There is nowhere for me to rent out like 200 square feet to put a bunch of pinball machines. Uh, If there was such a space, well, there is space. Don't get me wrong. That would cost a lot more. That would cost a lot more. Uh, then it would be worth to do so. Uh, let me let me give you guys some transparency in New York City and the realities of this city and how insane it is. So when I parked my car on the block, I had a Subaru STI. I used to park it down the street in Murray Hill. Monthly parking in the garage in which an attendant would take the car and put it one inch from another car in which at the end of the year, the car looked like it, there, were, you know, a couple midgets had a BB gun battle on the side of the car. That's how many dents there were. Let me tell you what that, that cost me 550 a month. And that was like 10 years ago, maybe longer. Uh, that's how much parking in Murray Hill was, all right? I park my cars in Brooklyn because it's cheaper. I pay about 300 bucks for each spot. So I pay $600 a month for two parking spots in New York City. Now, it would be cheaper for me to put pinball machines in parking spots than it would be to rent out someone's like, you know, half bedroom for, for, for like 200 square feet. No one would do it. 
And if they did do it, they wouldn't let you put pinball machines in it. And if I did find a commercial space to lease like that, I, I guarantee you it would cost way more than it would be worth. I'm, I'm just taking a guess. It would probably cost something like like $1,000 a month. Right, so imagine that a thousand dollars a month. I'm going to spend twelve thousand a year to have four pinball machines just sitting somewhere that I have to then spend money to get to that location. I have to then spend money to upkeep it. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm I'm actually really happy that I have this Quagmire. Now here's the best part: is I just have really awesome pinball friends, and I I think the other option for me is storing my Batman 66 uh, within a friend's location. And then having the game there, when I want to play, I could, you know, give him a call, see if he's around, and go by and swing and play the game uh, without having to, like, lose it from my collection. So, Jeff, thank you, though, for telling me to pretty much sell the game. Uh, let's go to the next email I got. So, this was from Magnus, uh, Batman66. He said, hi, can you ship it to Norway? Keep it up. Uh no, Magnus, thank you for listening to the show. I will not ship it to Norway. I would be too nervous putting this thing on a boat. I don't even know how you go about sending something to Norway. I think you have to create it. All right. I got an email from This Week in Pinball from Jeff. Uh, Jeff, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, he said, hey, Chris, on your late last episode, you said it is a mistake for companies to release a rule sheet or, or rule flowchart when revealing a game. He says, I disagree 100%. Part of me deciding whether or not to buy a game is the 20,000 foot view of the rule structure. I like knowing the rule features and a general path to get to the modes and multiballs. I think the JJP rule flow charts are perfect for that. Give enough info so you know where to head, but not give away too much and ruin surprises. I generally don't watch um, the streams of a game I'm planning to purchase except to see basic gameplay. I want to save the moments of playing modes and multi-balls and wizard modes and keep everything a surprise. So when I have it in a home or I'm playing it on location or I, and I get to the multi-ball or wizard mode, I'm seeing the light show and hearing the music and getting all the sensory feedback for the first time. Jeff. Well, Jeff, thank you for that. Um, Look, I, I think you know. I, look, I think you're 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 probably right in the sense that those rule charts do not ruin the surprises, and the, and the sensory and visceral experience of playing a pinball machine. Uh, and if you're able to look at that and sort of get excited, then cool. Now, my question for you, Jeff, is this, and I hope you know. Email me back. My question is this, though: When you look at that rule chart, have you ever looked at one and said, eh? I'm not feeling it and I'm not going to play the game. See, that's what I don't get. Like what's the, I don't, that's why I'm like I don't I don't really get the point of them cuz how can you even look at them and be like, "You know what? This looks like a really good path to get to that wizard mode." Oh, I don't really like the way this path is. See, because it's just a static piece of paper uh, and that paper can't possibly convey the experience of playing it. So I kind of it kind of just feels like it's going to be a toss-up look when you look at that stuff. For me, my whole thing is this. I just think too much of a game is always revealed too soon. And I think too many of the surprises are given to us in the wrong ways. And I wish these companies would stop doing it. it, it it's like watching, when you buy a new video game, do you go on YouTube and do you like watch a like eight hour video of all the gameplay and do a walkthrough of the game just to spoil the entire experience? No, you don't. And yet these pinball streamers, they stream for four hours and they completely show off the entire game. And I think it, I don't know, I, I'm with Jeff on the whole thing. It's like, I don't wanna see anything after basic gameplay. 
you know, I just want, I just I don't even want to watch movie trailers, uh, you know, for movies I'm excited to go see because they give away way too much these days. All right. Also, just awesome to know Jeff listens to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Yay. All right. I got an email from John Gardner. He says, don't sell. Canada, why sell your dream machine? You will never get it back, and you might regret selling it so much. Well, first of all, John, uh, this isn't my dream machine. I do love Batman 66, but it's not my – I don't – this is not the, the, the dream theme of me. He says, do this instead. Find someone who's unboxing a new Stern. Carefully take all the box bits and pieces undamaged. Box up your Batman. Do it carefully. Uh, I love that he's like, do it carefully. Like, I'm going to be like, ah, just throw this mother effer in, you know, who cares? Make it, he said, make it like it's returned to new in box. Ensure it's fully protected. Put it in storage or get one of your dealer friends to put it in store for you. So maybe you're thinking, I don't miss it at all. Sell it, fine. Or if you're thinking, so I'd wish I'd never let Batman go. Oh, wait, I can get it back anytime I want. Uh, plus, one day you're going to have a bigger place. Would be a g- great time to bring it back. It's a very special pin, John. Um, I look, John. I think that's good advice. I'm sure I could box it back up. I'm sure I, one of my friends, maybe a coin taker or other distributor, could hold on to it in their big facility. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about me is I I, I kind of am living my life now uh, where I don't want to have anything in storage ever. I, I don't want to be these people that has, has like storage units and closets that I don't go into and clothes I don't wear and pinball machines I'm not flipping. I've just just so maybe down the road I might have a, you know, a, a desire to play it. When I look at the way my life is going, I really want to spend money on traveling and experiences. I want to start a family. And recapturing playing the Batman wizard mode probably won't be on the things I wish I had in my life. And I love my life. I think everything I have in it is amazing. And I feel very blessed uh, to have my health and happiness here. Uh, and, and, and look, also, I'm just super excited for the future of what pinball has coming down the road. I highly doubt that we're going to look at Batman five years from now and be like, well, that's the one. That was the one. Uh, again, because we all know Deep Root's going to blow everything away, right? <laughs> all right. So we'll see. We'll see. But, John, thank you for the advice. Dave Sanders wrote in and said, keep Batman 66, at least for the time being, until you can compare Batman and Wonka side by side for a while and then make the decision. You know space in your apartment is a premium. You also know your Batman 66 is not going to diminish in value. Anything you have in there has to justify the space. Will Willy Wonka hold up as well as Batman to long-term play? Will it end up uh, stealing Batman's attention entirely? Will you want to keep Batman as a personalized sentimental value item if that happens and Batman remains otherwise neglected? Would the Batman even stay in the pristine condition if you sell it? And would that be important to you? I don't think these are questions you can definitely answer yet. Well, Dave, thank you for saying that. And also, you know, you bring up an interesting point. When you sell a game that you spent years sort of keeping it mint, don't you want to make sure it goes to a home where they will also take care of it? It's weird that we treat these pinball machines like they're children of ours, right? We want to make sure they get the proper playfield waxing or this or that, and that, that a collector who appreciates it's going to get it, right? That it's not going to end up on location in Sunshine Laundromat and get beat to crap like my Lord of the Rings was. It still pains me when I see my Lord of the Rings Ellie at Sunshine. It's destroyed compared to what it was when it was in my home. And anyone who jumps on that game is never going to experience it the way 
they should have the way they did in my apartment. Um, but it's also funny that we even give a you know crap about that. Like it's but that's who we are. We we actually treat these games like they're living entities. Um, but Dave, I think you're right. I'm gonna wait a little bit and see how I like it next to Wonka. And let's be honest with ourselves. I'm not getting Willy Wonka Collector's Edition anytime soon. My best guess on when I'll get the game is like uh, August, September at the earliest. I, I'm actually planning in my head more like October. It's another reason why I don't think they should have shown it until it was on the line. I hope they get it on the line fast, but I definitely think us collector's edition people, and I asked for the last collector's edition, number 500. So I think I'm going to be waiting a while. But I'm happy to wait. I love the game very much, and I'm happy to wait for it. I think waiting for things is actually sometimes more fun in pinball than actually getting them. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, I got an email from Cam or Cam. He said, "Awesome interview of Josh Kugler. I'm going to take a close look at Oktoberfest when I finally get to play one. None on location here in Tacoma area yet. On whether to keep Batman, it comes down to space. If you can make two pins fit in your apartment, definitely keep it." But I recall Brenda being skeptical you could fit two pins. So my best advice is to let your new bride make the call. Wow, wow. So speaking of new bride and Brenda and, and, and Brenda's friends, so they, yesterday during Easter uh, brunch and dinner, we played a lot of Batman. And it was really awesome to see people jump on the machine because Batman is a theme that everyone knows. They immediately respond to the music and to, the shots are easy to explain to people. And we had a blast. And I almost like came out of that experience being like, I can't sell Batman. Like, look how much fun it is. Look how much fun we're all having. And I can't let this child go. Um, but then I wake up this morning and I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm okay like letting it go. That's the final point I want to make on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast because I was laughing my butt off when I read, I read Neil McRae talk about Willy Wonka and he goes, you know, it's, it's a great shooting game, and it's just like, but just didn't have that one more game feel to it. And I just want to say, for the record, I think on this podcast, I want to start saying there are certain phrases that none of us should ever utter again. And we should just ban people from saying the following stupid phrases, one of which is, it just didn't have that one more game feel to it. Buh, 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 buh. Here's why that's utterly stupid. It's all how we feel that day. Some days I walk up to my Batman and I don't even make it to the third ball. I, I, I'll start playing it and I just, my mind's elsewhere and I'm distracted. Maybe I'm frustrated with something else in life. Maybe something is you know going on. Maybe I have to rush to dinner, whatever it could be. And then the next day I'll get on it and I'll, and I'll play the game 20 times in a row. And I think all of us, when we play pinball machines, the, the variable that changes is our mood every time we play it. It's the same way when people walk up to a game. You're either going to walk up with your expectations sky high, you might have no expectations, and then your experience with it will be radically different. And I get how me hyping Willy Wonka had some of you walking up to that machine expecting to have the most euphoric moment of your life with pinball, and then you probably didn't, and then you might be disappointed. Whereas you might walk up to Black Knight with no expectations whatsoever, be like, eh, I'm not really planning to buy this game. You jump on it, and you have more fun on Black Knight uh, because you don't feel the pressure to have to buy it. It's just a pinball experience that's fast and fun, and your expectations are you know, where they're at, and you enjoy the game. 
And see, that's why this hobby is exciting to all of us because we're all different. We all have different opinions about these games and we all experience pinball differently. But I just think soon, it doesn't have that one more game. Uh, Neil, trust me. And the next day you might want to play the game 50 times in a row because you finally understand the rule set a little bit more. I mean, that's the other thing too is when we're completely ignorant to a game, for us to say, it just didn't make me want to play it again. What, really? Really? You, you, you played it once. It's like when people say they they flip the ball once, then turn it off. It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Got to play these games. But we're all, we all feel different on different days. That's, what, that's my final point, all right? All right, everyone. That was episode like 344 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I keep sharing my thoughts with you. I hope you keep enjoying them. Um, we'll be back. I'm going to get some more interviews lined up. Uh, you know, we're, we're reaching a period now where there's not going to be much new news. Uh, if you think about it, right, it's like April 22nd today. So what's next? What's next? We're not going to see Stearns next until like June, July. We're not going to see Deep Roots pin until like end of June, early July. Uh, we're not going to, we, we, I don't know, Wonka, we've seen it now. Um, so what's next? Are we going to see like Cactus Canyon remake? I mean, is CGC's new title? Or is that crazy rumor that I started talking about uh, that Alien Pinball is coming back and that they're making like 300 of them, is that actually going to materialize? I don't know. I'm excited to see something happen, but something better happen because all of us pinball podcasters are going to run out of stuff to talk about real soon. Uh, So then maybe we might have to interview each other and just talk about how lonely it is to pinball podcast with no news. Everyone, have an amazing day. Um, We'll talk to you real soon. (laughs) 